0: Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, July 9th, 2017, on the basis of 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 8. We tend to take people's last words very seriously. We tend to give them a great deal of weight, especially when the person who is speaking those words knows that they will be their last. One set of last words that has been held on to down through the centuries belongs to the Greek philosopher Socrates. Way back in the year 399 BC, Socrates was on trial in the city of Athens for two charges, for religious impiety and for corruption of the Athenian youth. And in his defense, at his trial, Socrates spoke some of these words as some of his very last words. He said, I am a sort of gadfly, and the state is a great and noble steed who is tardy in his motions owing to his very size and requires to be stirred into life. Quite the defense, huh? Socrates is basically comparing himself to a horsefly. He's basically saying to the people of Athens, look, I know that I've been a pain in your you-know-what, but I am a necessary pain in your you-know-what, because sometimes the ideas that are most out of step with what a society believes are the ideas that that society needs to hear the most. I'll let history decide whether or not that is in fact true in the specific example of Socrates, but the reason I bring his words to your attention this morning is because they bear a striking resemblance to another set of last words, the verses and the words that we are looking at today. You might remember that last week we talked about how Christ calls us as a church to bring blessings to our community and to our country through the mission that he has given us as a church. We saw how Christ calls us to to bring forth a very specific message and then also to show love for people's physical well-being. Today we're zeroing in specifically on the message that Christ calls us to take out to our society and as we turn our attention to these words that Paul wrote to his co-worker a young pastor by the name of Timothy words that he knew were going to be among his very last Paul basically says what Socrates said he says to Christ church get ready to be society's horsefly get ready to be a pain in people's you know what but a necessary pain in their you-know-what, because sometimes what society wants to hear least is what society needs to hear most. In other words, yes, Christ calls us to show love to other people, but what we're going to see as we look at these verses today is that loving people is not the same as pleasing people. In fact, loving people is a whole lot better and a whole lot greater than simply pleasing people. And we'll see that in two specific ways as we look at these verses. We'll see that first of all in the specific charge that is given to us as a church and then second of all in the specific contribution that a church can make in a society and to the people who are around us in our lives. So right off the bat, as we look at these verses, Paul wants us to know that he really means business. He is really serious in what he's about to say because he introduces his words this way. He says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge a very solemn way to introduce what he's about to say. Paul wants us to know that he wants us to take his words seriously, not only because they are among his last words, but because, as he says, one day Jesus is going to come back to judge all people, living and dead. And so in what I'm about to tell you, people's eternities are on the line. So what is that that charge that he gives us? He says it very simply, Preach the word. Now, the word that, that's translated preach calls to mind the job of a herald, someone whose job it is to deliver a message that has been given to them from a superior. So let's say that there's a king who decides that it's time to raise the taxes in his kingdom. He sends out a herald. He sends out a messenger to all the towns and villages of the kingdom to let everybody know What the king has decreed. Now, the herald might know full well that that message is not going to be very well received. In fact, the herald might not like the message himself very much. And yet, it is not the herald's job to decide what the message is. It's not his job to add to the message or subtract from the message or change the message in any way. His job is simply to deliver the message that he has been given. And that's what Paul is saying is our charge as well, to simply deliver the message. That we have been given. That's our charge, to preach the word. It is not, as Paul says next, to pander to people's whims. In the very next breath, Paul says, The time will come. When people will not put up with sound doctrine, instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. So here's the the progression that Paul is warning us against. It starts when people look into their own hearts and they see some sort of instinct in there, some sort of desire, some sort of feeling, and they quickly realize that it is incompatible with, contrary to the word of God. So as a result, they turn aside from the truth of God's word and instead basically create their own self-invented myths to back up the desires in their hearts. And then, as one final step, they find all kinds of people who will tell them exactly what they want to hear, who will scratch That itch. Now, we might be tempted to think that in our day and age, this primarily happens in one specific way, sort of in one specific direction. We might be tempted to think that this most often occurs when God very clearly says that something is wrong, but our society decides that that very thing is right. And so people also decide that it's right, and then they find a church or they find people who will tell them exactly what they want to hear. And certainly, we can think of examples in our society where that is, in fact, the case. But maybe the more subtle danger and maybe the greater danger, maybe the the more significant temptation for us is kind of the opposite direction. When people are in wholehearted agreement with what God very clearly says is right and what God clearly says is wrong, but the message that they don't want to hear is that day after day, each one of us violates those perfect standards of God. And as a result, each one of us deserves nothing from God except eternal condemnation, eternal separation from him. Instead, what itching ears want to hear is all the things that we can be doing in our lives to be better people, to be more like God wants us, to be all the different things that we can do to be better spouses, better parents, better citizens, better church members. And the message that gets lost, the message that maybe we grow tired of, is the message that only in Jesus is there forgiveness for our sins and rescue from that eternal condemnation. It's not always easy to simply preach the word instead of pandering to people's whims. And yet, here's the beauty of it. Here's why it's better. Imagine if the message that you heard each and every Sunday here at church was was dictated by what comes from inside of you, by our own instincts, our own feelings, our own desires. First of all, it would be impossible even in a church of our size, for us to come to an agreement about what that message should be, because what's inside of each one of us is a little bit different. But then even if we could come to an agreement for one Sunday, we would need to change that message as soon as society changes, which might well be by the very next Sunday. No, it's not always easy to simply preach the word, but it's better. Rather than our message coming from inside of any of us, it's a message that comes from outside of all of us. As a result, at some point, it's going to offend, it's going to upset each and every one of us, and yet that message, because it comes from outside of all of us, serves as a very sure and secure anchor in our lives It's a stable and reliable foundation that we can build our lives on that we never have to worry about crumbling beneath our feet or shifting so that we lose our balance. Loving people is not the same as pleasing people. Loving people is a whole lot better than pleasing people. And that, first of all, shows itself in the specific charge that Jesus has given us, the charge to preach the word rather than pander to whims, but what about when it stings? What about when that makes us a pain in people's you know what's? Paul tells us that even when we do this in exactly the right way, without a hint of condescension, without a hint of anger or bitterness, as he says with with great patience and careful instruction, even then, he says, be prepared. Sometimes it will be well received, but sometimes it will not. He says, even be prepared that sometimes it will bring great hardship into your life. And in fact, Paul certainly knew what he was talking about. As I said before, he knows full well that these are some of his last words. He knows full well that he is about to be put to death for doing this very thing, for serving as a herald of the message of God. So so the strange irony of this is that Paul is telling Timothy to do exactly the thing that is about to lead to his death. Timothy's maybe wondering about that a little bit. <laughs> but again, loving people isn't the same as pleasing people. Loving people is a whole lot better than pleasing people, because Paul knows that, that whatever preaching the word might have caused him to lose. It has caused him to gain infinitely and indescribably more. Paul also knows that that as we take that message out, it will do that very same thing for the people we share it with. For example, people in our society today, just like in every society that came before ours, are desperately looking for identity. They're looking for self-worth and self-validation. And so they look for those things, for example, in, in things like their success and their achievements perhaps their beauty and their physique, perhaps their popularity or their relationships with other people. We might wonder how, how in the world can the message of God's word give someone a healthy sense of identity when it says that we're all sinners who deserve God's condemnation. Well, it also tells us that the only word about us that matters, the only opinion that matters, is the final opinion. The one who will give us the last opinion on the last day as we stand before Jesus himself, the very one who was willing to give his life for us. Paul assures us that through faith in Christ Jesus, we have been given the identity of a perfect, holy, righteous child of God and heir of eternal life. People in our society are also looking for community, Even though our technology connects us to more people in more ways than ever before, a lot of people feel lonelier and more isolated than they ever have. People want community. Paul tells us that the message of God's word gives us a community that cannot possibly be rivaled. It brings together people who are different in just about every way imaginable except for one common characteristic, their shared faith in Jesus Christ. And as a result of that faith, it not only brings people perfect fellowship with one another, it also brings them perfect fellowship with the God who made us all. And that bond that is created between people who have faith in Jesus is a bond that will never, ever be broken. It will last into eternity. Finally, people in our society, just like in every society that came before ours, are looking for hope. We want to believe that no matter how bad today might be, there's a better tomorrow in front of us. For a long time, people have believed that that mankind's own achievements can lead to that better tomorrow, that through hard work and scientific advancement, tomorrow will always be better than today. People are becoming more skeptical of whether or not that's the case. And yet Paul points us to a much better, much more certain hope. He tells us that this life will always be a struggle. It will always be a fight. But when that struggle is done, there is in store for those who have faith in Jesus a crown of victory and a perfect eternity in heaven. Now, loving people is not the same as pleasing people. Loving people is much better than that. Not only in terms of the charge that we've been given, but also in terms of the contribution that the message of God's word can make to people's hearts and lives. You can probably guess how things turned out for Socrates as he stood trial. I I already told you that those words I showed you were some of his last words. And sure enough, Socrates was convicted of those charges that were brought against him. And as a, a punishment for what he had done, he was forced to drink a cup of poisonous hemlock that would bring about his death. And yet right before he did that, the very last words that came out of his mouth were, were, again, similar to Paul's in that they were addressed to one of his faithful companions right before drinking that cup of hemlock. Socrates said this. He said, Credo, we owe a rooster to Asclepius. Please don't forget to pay the debt. That really says it all, doesn't it? I mean, what more could you possibly say than that? Here's what Socrates was saying. Asclepius was the Greek god responsible for healing. He was the one who was supposed to cure them of all their diseases. And so it seems a little bit odd that right before he drinks this cup of poisonous hemlock that he knows will kill him, Socrates says, We owe a debt to the god of healing. What he's saying is that death is the ultimate cure. You see, Socrates was of the school of thought that this life is is full of hardship, full of trouble, full of wickedness, and death is the ultimate release. Death is the ultimate escape. That's a hard thought for us as Americans to have because societally we go in exactly the opposite direction. We've convinced ourselves that this life is all there is, that the greatest purpose for our life is to pursue pleasure and satisfaction in this life as much as we can, and then, and then death is not a release, but death is this horrible monster that comes along and, and robs us, takes it all away. Friends, apart from Christ, those are our only two options. In Christ, we have something far, far better. Yes, death is, in fact, a horrible monster, something God never intended to be a part of our world, an uninvited intruder. And yet, it is a horrible monster that has been defeated once and for all by our Savior, Jesus Christ. And as a result, whatever pleasure, whatever satisfaction we could possibly find in this life, it will only pale in comparison to the eternal joys that are waiting for us in heaven. And so compare those rather hopeless words to the way that Paul wrapped up his letter to Timothy. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. That's a better way to live. That's a better way to die. Friends, let's love the people around us enough to share it with them. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.